It keeps us encouraged, and we love to hear from you. Children's ministry training is November the 19th. That's two weeks from today. It's going to be following the morning service. There will be a lunch provided. And if you're involved in a children's ministry or want to be involved in a children's ministry, you're more than invited, more than encouraged, expected to stick around and uh, be involved with that. It won't be long, but you'll, uh, you'll enjoy the time together. It's a good time of fellowship. Orchestra is having a special practice, and that is going to be tonight, following the evening service. If you're in orchestra or should be in orchestra, you know who you are. Then uh, show up for that tonight. Bring your instrument. It's really hard to practice orchestra without it. Uh, blankets for the nursing home. There's a couple of baskets, a couple of plastic uh, boxes out there for you to drop blankets in. We're looking for new and when we say blanket, we're really looking for a throw, something for the, uh, for the nursing home people to put over their laps while they're sitting outside. They have blankets to sleep with typically, but it's that kind of a thing. And if you would like to help us with that nursing home ministry, it's just a blessing. We do this at Christmas time. Uh, by the time a year passes, they need a new one, or there's new people that are in there that would uh, enjoy having one as well. If you want to give money instead, you can give that to Chuck or Beth Kravolka, or you can drop it in the offering plate, but make sure you mark it clearly that it is for nursing home blankets, or it just will get thrown into everything else. You know how that works. Uh, Christmas in Wanamaker is upon us, and there is a sign-up for you out there, and let me explain how this works a little bit. Uh, there's three columns in the sign-up. That first column is basically saying you can cover uh, some of the booth time. Um, we're using the same ones that we've used in previous years. We'll probably need to tweak this a little bit so it gives you times, but we're looking for one to two hour shifts. Uh, the booth is, it's an all day event. It's a, it's a parade and kind of just a, you know, vendors booths. Uh, we don't sell anything at our booth. We give everything away, but people will come by and we get hundreds of people that come by. Uh, and so they'll come by, we'll give them an invitation to our church, usually something about the Christmas program that's coming up, about our children's programs, everything like that. We give it to them in hand, uh, let them know what's going on. Our chance to talk, to talk to them, invite them, et cetera, et cetera. We've had one family and now extended family that has come from that uh, that are attending our church now. So that's always an exciting thing to watch those kinds of things happen. So if you can help out with that in the second column, uh, if you want to help with uh, actually being in the parade, you can either ride the float, pass out candies from the float, or you can walk uh, alongside it. It's a pretty slow-moving parade. Uh, you can walk alongside it and just uh, give out candy and stuff like that from the parade. It's always a fun time. Or if you can help us out with prep work, uh, because I did not uh, read this carefully enough. I just printed it off from last year's. It says prep work day is November 30th. That's not really true. I don't even know what day November 30th is on. Uh, so, but we will get a prep work day, but if you can help us in, in getting candies bagged up and things like that, getting things organized so that we can pass them out, there's a sign-up out there. We need a lot of you. We've, we're covering uh, hours at the booth, uh, and so we need to have about four people at the booth constantly, so we could use, you know, 20 or 30 of you at the booth pretty easily. Uh, the parade is just a lot of fun. Uh, you'll enjoy being a part of that, and then the prep work is just, we just need uh, to get all that done. So if you can help us out with that at all, please uh, sign up for it. We'd appreciate it. And then our missionaries of the week are the Riches, and they should be officially in Zimbabwe. As of this letter, it says we have purchased our 
plane tickets for October 23rd, arriving in Zimbabwe on October the 29th. So as they're writing, uh, as we're reading this, they should already be there. Uh, continue to pray for them as they have all this new ministry starting up in Zimbabwe. They've asked uh, to pray for two people in particular, Jackson and London, two young men that they met weeks back when they had visited and uh, were work working on them. Had a good conversation with both of them about the gospel. So just, uh, just pray for Jackson and London. Uh, also, if you would, please pray for uh, Cammie's dad as he, uh, he has some spiritual needs there that you'd pray for him with that. They would appreciate it. This is Cody, Cammie, Noah, Nora, Emily, and Alicia. Uh, that's the family that's in Zimbabwe, so remember them in your prayers. I know that they would really appreciate it. Let's have the men come. We'll take up the morning offering. While they're coming, I have a thank you to read. A great big thanks and hugs go out to all the people involved in helping stuff the baggies for the tracks and treats. Uh, we stuffed 1,000 bags in an hour and 15 minutes. That's because we had a lot of volunteers that showed up and got that done. We appreciate it. A thousand tracks and a thousand treats were passed out into the neighborhood in 50 minutes. Uh, I was actually short, it says, short 1,000 bags this year. Uh, the children were very respectful and grateful for all of your work. Love in Christ, Miss Beth, and so she appreciates that. But Matt, would you pray and thank God for the opportunity to give to the ministry, for the blessings on this, and also for the riches in Zimbabwe?
Thank you, Rachel. Amazing love. How can it be? Go ahead and sing with me. We're going to sing about God's promises and the fact that we can have faith in those today. So we're going to sing three verses of Standing on the Promises. Go ahead and stand with me as we sing. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises On that last Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. We'll have the choir sing at this time.
To those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then, and those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it, remain standing. We're going to continue on with our theme of faith, and our new hymn of the month we're going to sing next is called By Faith, and it talks about how we, through faith, can live in a certain way. And so in, our, in the world that we're living in, Pastor and I were talking, and uh, we're going to have this song. As I was thinking of a Thanksgiving song, but I think with what's going on in our world today, especially over in the Middle East, we have to live by faith because we don't know what's going to happen. And so having faith in God because of what he's shown us is, uh, is really huge for us in our, in our walk, right? Because it reveals to the world that our faith is genuine, it's real. So we're going to start by saying, my faith has found a resting place, and then we'll sing by faith as that comes. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall bleed. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died on that last. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me his precious blood was shed, for me his life he gave. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Or you can be seated. I'm going to sing the first verse in the chorus of this song. Uh, it's maybe familiar to some of you. It was written, I think, 14 years ago. And uh, so it may be familiar. If you know it, you can sing along with me. If not, you can listen to me sing the first verse in the chorus. And then we're going to sing the first verse in the chorus and the second verse in the chorus. 
by faith we see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design in the lives of those who prove his faithfulness who walk by faith and not by sight we will stand as children of the promise we will fix our eyes on him our souls reward till the race is finished and the work is done who walk by faith and not by sight all right join with me as we sing that first by faith we see the hand of god in the light of creation's grand design in the lives of those who prove his by faith and not by sight. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our souls reward. Till the race is finished and the work is done. We walk by faith and not. Verse 2. By faith our fathers roam. With the power of His promise in their hearts Of a holy city built by God's own hand A place where peace and justice reign We will stand as children of the promise We will fix our eyes on Him, our soul's reward Till the race is finished and the I will continue learning that as this month goes on, but go ahead and stay with me as we sing our last song. May the Lord find us faithful. We'll sing all three verses of this song. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but has given us the strength to obey. With power and sound mind, with love the unfailing kind, oh, be not ashamed of his way. May the Lord find us faithful. May his word be our banner held high. May the Lord find us faithful every day, though. on that last living or dying may on 
wretched life you've loved and forgave. A life that is on fire, be only our heart's desire, be faithful from now to the grave. May the Lord find us faithful, may His word be our best. May the Lord find us faithful every day though we live, though we die. Great saying, you may be seated. There is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, greet you over there in that land beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. It will be glorious when we are there. And God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard of fearless David and his sleep. You have heard the story told of dreaming Joseph and of Jonah and the whale you often seen. There are many, many others in the Bible. I should like to meet them all, I do declare. By and by, the Lord will surely let us meet them at that meeting in the air. There is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, greet you over there in that land beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. It will be glorious when we are there. And God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Things will there be missing at that meeting, for the mourner's bench will have no place at all. There will never be a sermon preached for sinners, for the sinner had refused to heed the call. There will be no mourning over wayward loved ones. There will be no lonely nights of pleading prayer. All our burdens and our anguish will be lifted at that meeting in the air. There is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, greet you over there in that land beyond the sky, the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. It will be glorious when we are there. And God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the meeting in the air.
told them the other day, I said, I'm going to call you guys up and sing that song. I think they took me seriously. We better get it ready because the pastor's going to call us up. I like that song. There's going to be a meeting in the air, and I can't wait. Woo! Psalm 16, if you'll turn there to Psalm 16. Good to have Mia and Josh with us today. They're here for the weekend, so make sure you say hello. They'll be singing for us tonight with J.D. and Abby. Looking forward to that as a dad. We have a full house over there on that side. There's 43 in the overflow, so great to have everybody out this morning. Beautiful day. God's been good to us and uh, can't complain. A lot of good things happening, good things coming. I don't think we have the pie and praise marked on there, but let me mention to you how we do this the week of Thanksgiving, which is just a few weeks away. Uh, We do not have a Wednesday service that week. We will have both morning and evening pie and praise services. We do that so that your pastor can eat pie twice. No, we really, we don't. The the purpose of our Wednesday morning service is because some people just really struggle to drive at night. And so we started doing the Wednesday morning service. So uh, we'll be out there for that, uh, but we'll do that on Tuesday. So the Tuesday of the Thanksgiving week, all of the Wednesday things happen uh, on Tuesday. There's no Awana. Uh, everything happens pie and praise. So it's just what it sounds like. You bring a pie, we'll help you eat it, and then people share testimonies. It's praise, pie and praise, all right? So you don't have to bring pie. If you want to bring something else, I don't think anybody's going to get upset, but uh, it's just nothing else fits in. Cake and praise just doesn't work. So it's pie and praise. So uh, you, you'll be there to join us. Looking forward to those things. Psalm 16 is where we are. Psalm 16. David is writing, and in verse 1, he says, Preserve me, O God. Father, draw us to your side today. Help us to look to you for the help that we need when we need help, which is often and always. God, I pray that you would today uh, draw in those who are here most desperately in need of you, that you would just... Show them your will, your desire, your longing to step into their lives in a unique and powerful way. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love when God does things that you don't know that he's doing. So the choir is saying, will you trust me? And uh, that is really uh, the theme of this psalm. Uh, And it it comes down to this. You know, David is like, preserve me, O God. So I want to ask you some questions. First, First question is, why do we need preserving? Don't make this hard. Knowing what you know about life, why do we need preserving? I'll let you help me out. Why do we need preserving? We don't? I don't know about you, Walter, but I'm in... We don't control everything. Isn't that a unique thought, especially for us guys who like to be in charge? We like to control... But we don't control everything, and so we need God to step in and do something... We can't control, we can't, we can't uh, fix that and change that outcome. Why else? Why do we need preserving? Say that out loud. Life is hard. Have you ever noticed that? Life is hard. Anybody have, a, anybody have some hard times the last few hours, minutes? I don't know. Uh, I mean, life is hard. You get up and it's a beautiful day, the sun is shining, and, and it's warmer than it would have had to have been, and yet... In the back of our minds, we know this about life, that life is hard, that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. 
that we live in a sin-cursed world. Something else, I heard a lot of people shouting things. Just go ahead and talk. Oh, the enemy is out to destroy us. Right? The devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may help. No, that's not what it says, right? Whom he may devour, right? Uh, we are to put on the armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, right? Give me something else. The opposite of preserving is spoiling. So if we don't have, have something or someone step in to do some preserving... does not mean I'd probably lost my battery. Just leave it, son. It's fine. I'll, well, no, I won't. Go ahead and bring it up. That'd be great. <laughs> I appreciate it. So spoiling doesn't mean like, like uh, your pastor is spoiled because you guys take way too good of care of me or because your pastor is spoiled because I'm the baby of the family and that's just true about all of us babies in the family. <laughs> Let's be honest. It is. It's not talking about that kind of spoil. It's talking about it's ruined, right? It's this, we're ruined. Uh, if, if God doesn't preserve us, the only, the only alternative is ruin, total and utter. I appreciate that. Give me just a second here. Testing one, two, one, two, three. There we go. Okay. Um, give me two more. Somebody else. Why do we need preserving? Ah. Oh. That preserving is a part of that sealing us to the day of redemption. I like that. I hadn't put that one on my list. I like it. I've got a few here for you. Let me give you. Uh, I said life is hard, trials and tests. Sometimes I'm just exhausted. Now, you shouldn't be exhausted. No one should be exhausted this morning. You got an extra hour of sleep, right? Wasn't it last spring that we said, hey, we'll never have to change our clocks again? What happened to that? Don't bother. Okay, anyway. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you're just, Life is exhausting, right? I mean, just, just going through life, not even the hard parts of life, just life in general. Life is exhausting, and because it is, you, know, you, you reach that exhaustion level. Heartbreak is a real thing. I'm looking at a lot of people who have endured heartbreak, and um, we need preserving. Guess what? I'm not going to tell you something you don't already know if you've been married for about 15 seconds. But marriage is hard. Not only is life hard, but marriage is hard. Marriage is taking two completely different lives and putting them together and making one out of them. And anybody that tells you that's not hard is living in a bubble. They're, they're, they've convinced themselves. They're deceiving themselves and the truth is not in them. Let's use the Bible on that, right? That doesn't make any sense. Marriage is hard. And uh, fear, we're afraid of what things we have, challenges, disappointments, possibilities, impossibilities. We need the Lord, Brother Ken. I, did, I couldn't hear that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Using one of my sayings, life is hard and then you die. And uh, Actually, I say life's not fair and then you die. But that's a reason why, all these are reasons why we need preserving. And this, whole, this whole chapter is going to be David saying, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to preserve me. And now we know the why. The why is kind of implied in David's writing. What we want to do is figure out the how. 
Do I want God to step in? I mean, life is hard. Heartbreak is real. There's impossible things staring me in the face. There's possible things, but there are a lot of hard work. I get tired and I'm afraid and, and all of these things that are facing. How do I get through it? Well, take a look at the next part of the verse. For in thee do I put my trust. The choir was asking the question, do you trust me? Or God's asking the question as the choir is singing it. Do you trust me? Do you trust me when life is hard? Do you trust me when you're facing that heartache? Do you trust me when it's the, the task before you seems insurmountable and impossible in your own human flesh? Do you still trust me? And so David's going to walk through some things here in this passage of how we can see and know that God will preserve us. Look at verse 2. Oh, my soul, thou hast said, thou art, what's the next word right there? Not the Lord, thou art my Lord. Thou art my, let me ask you a question, Christian. Is God Lord? Well, of course he is, right? Jesus is Lord, and by the way, can I just say that Jesus is Lord whether we, whether we allow him to be or not. You understand? He's, but in this paradox that he has set up, he has given us a will, and he is challenging us to surrender our will to his, to allow him to be Lord. Now, he's Lord whether we know it or not. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But David makes this personal. He says, thou art my Lord. In a practical sense, are we living out our lives with Christ being the one in control? Walter, the first thing he mentioned, right, is that we struggle because we don't always have control. But if I know God and I trust God for being the good and gracious, loving, kind, heavenly Father that he is, then why can't I take my control away and allow him to be Lord? When I am fighting God for the, for the lordship of my life, peace vanishes. Joy slips away. I'm now in this struggle. And my struggle is no longer with life that's, all, that's hard. My struggle is with my Savior who deserves to be my Lord. He has made me. He has bought me with his own blood. If I want to know this God that preserves me in spite of the fact that life is hard, I must learn to trust him and allow him to have that control, to be Lord of my life. My goodness extendeth not to thee. The idea of this is that it is not about my goodness. It is about everything, every blessing, every good thing that happens to me is not because I did this and I did this and I did this. It is because God blessed me. You ever heard someone say, you know, when you say, hey, how you doing? They'll say, better than I deserve. That's a great saying. Because no matter how you're doing, you're doing better than you deserve. You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm dying of cancer. You know, you know how you're doing? Better than you deserve. I know that sounds cold and harsh. But you know what we deserve? We deserve to be separated from God in a place called hell for all eternity. That's what we deserve. And anything above that? 
is better than I deserve. And all of the goodness is not about us. It's, it's, not, it's not about us. All of the goodness is from the Lord. And that's what David is reminding himself as he's writing this. Verse 3 says, But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight, that's delighting in the things that God has for us, Go down to verse 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Here, I'm going to trust the Lord, right? So I'm trusting him to be Lord of my life. So now I'm going to trust him to provide everything that I need. My inheritance, my cup is like... The, the inheritance is what he gives me because I've trusted his son. The cup, in this perspective, is that, that grape. It's that... It's that joy, uh, it's the, the, the wine of joy, it's all of those things. The cup is the pleasure part. I can trust God to give me what he knows I need and to go beyond that and give me what he knows I want, what he knows that I just simply desire. In Psalm 34, he says it this way, he says, if we will delight ourselves in him, find our delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. He knows how to, he, the father, knows how to give good gifts unto his children. And so he doesn't give us a stone when we ask for bread. He doesn't give us a serpent when we ask for fish. But instead, here's what he does. He gives good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God does. He says, let me step in and preserve you. And if you will trust me, trust me enough to put me in charge, Trust me enough to, to let me guide you to that which I know you need and that which I know you'll enjoy. We can trust this God. He will do for us what we can't do for ourselves, the delights that are there. And uh, we give him, you know, we trust him with what he gives us and what we think we need. Verse 6 says this, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So I'm going to trust God with my provision. I'm going, to trust, I'm going to trust that what God is leading me, Jeremiah says it this way. Jeremiah, what's that passage? 26, 11, 11, 20. What's that passage where you use for graduates? What is it? 29, 11. 29. Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I have for you, says the, says the Lord, right? I know these thoughts. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. You see, what God says, if you'll trust me, what I have in store for you is better than what you think is good, if you'll trust me. Here's another way he says it. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what God has in store. You and I wrestle God for lordship, and we literally trade the best for just what is good. It's like, I could have had homemade ice cream, and I took store-bought. <laughs> you get the idea, right? I mean, it's like, God says, if you'll trust me, I'm going to take you to the expected end. I I'm going to take you to pleasant places and a goodly heritage. But you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. And you may not always understand me. You know why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't think like God. We don't know where life is leading us. 
and it looks like it's leading us to disaster, and we begin to wrestle with the Lord for control. And God says, would you trust me, John? If you'll trust me, I'll bring you to a place that you'll be glad you went. Um, old illustration. I use it all the time, but if I get a chance to talk about my kids, I'll talk about my kids. So Melody and I are struggling with the Lord. Struggling. And we're doing everything we can to control the outcome that we want. And what we want is kids. That's what we want. And we're doing everything we can. We're going through infertility. We're getting shots. I, I've got a funny story about the shots, but Melody would shoot me if I tell it. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're doing everything we can because we, we're struggling to trust. But God says, if you'll trust me, I'll bring you to an expected end. And you know the rest of the story. I mean, I've got two great kids. How, what would I do to change that? Why would I change that? At some point, we say, okay, God, I take control off of myself, put it back on you where it belongs, and I'm going to trust you to take us to pleasant places and a goodly heritage to bring us to an expected end. And it's not easy. He goes on. He says in uh, verse 7, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel." My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Now, here's, this is a, these are tough things. Some of them are here, right? I'm going to just keep trusting you, God. I, I, life, is, life is hard. I'm exhausted. I fear what the next things might come. I, I'm looking at insurmountable, impossible things facing me. What am I supposed to do? God says, trust me. And he says, I'm going to give you wise counsel. Now, but folks, here, here is God's wise counsel. Do you know this? Get into the book. This book will not steer you wrong. It will not always steer you the way you want to go. But it will never steer you wrong. We are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. We're to trust this book. And it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't. And sometimes, it's called faith, right? It's called faith. God, this is where you say I'm supposed to step. But it doesn't seem like this is going to work. Do you remember in, um, in uh, it's a Patch the Pirate, uh, the marathon one. You guys ever seen, heard, listened to Patch the Pirate's marathon? Anyway, he, the, the runner is running and he comes to a wall. And the path seems to come to the wall and just kind of disappear into the wall. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? And so he's you know, reading the instructions. And basically it says, I can't remember the verse that they used, but basically it says, keep on going. Press toward the mark. Go straight. And so the runner runs, backs up and runs through the wall. Now the path continues on the other side of the wall. When he hits the wall, it breaks. And it continues on the other side. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, in the story, he has to pick himself up. He's cut and bruised and bleeding. The wall wasn't easy. But that's, God says, would you just trust me? If you'll trust me, I'm going to get you through the wall. 
And on the other side of that wall are the blessings that I want to give you. Just trust me. And sometimes it's not easy, right? It's not easy to trust the Lord, but he says, I'm going to give you good counsel. He goes on to say, my reins also, the reins is that control, right? When God says, if you'll let me hold on to the reins, if you'll let me steer you, I'm going to get you where you need to go. It'll instruct in the night seasons when it's really difficult. God says, I've got this. I've got this. David says, Lord, life's hard, and I'm struggling. I need you to step in and do something for me that I can't do for myself. Lord, preserve me. And God says, let me tell you how. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and shall not be moved. Do we trust him for provision? Do we trust him for our needs? Do we trust him for our delights? Here it says, do we trust him enough to set him always before me, to think about him, to meditate on him, and then to put him in the place of importance at our right hand and then trust him enough to stay there? I will not be moved. Right. I, I, that's where that song you know, comes from. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And are, we, are we trusting the Lord? To, I, I'm going I'm to trust you, God, and it doesn't always make sense, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to stay right here. And when everybody else is saying, John, quit being an idiot. You need to go this way. I'm going to trust you, God. When my heart is screaming, I can't do this anymore, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to put you ever before me. I'm going to focus on you, meditate on you, day and night. I'm going to put you in that place of importance at my right hand. I'm taking my hands off the reins. You as Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I am not going back. I'm not stepping away. I will not be moved. When we get to this place, God begins to preserve us in ways that we never imagined. So here's the real question. Let me, in verses 9, 10, 11, the last part of this chapter, you know what he does? He tells us why we should want it. Say, Pastor John, this doesn't make any sense, really, because you're telling me that God's ways aren't going to make sense. It may not go the way I want to go. Uh, the way is going to be hard, even though life is already hard. God's going to take this hard life of mine and make me run through a wall. Yay. Uh, and so, and, and he was like, this doesn't make sense. So, he ends this passage by saying, let me tell you why trusting me is worth it. Take a look at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad. You need a reason to rejoice. You need, see, God, God says, if you'll let me, John, I'll tell you. You know, I, I, I went, we, Mel and I went through several years of struggling. But guess what? There came a day when therefore... Our hearts were glad. It required us to take our hands off and to trust a God that we could not understand. It did not make any sense to us whatsoever. It didn't make sense. But we trusted him. And one day, our hearts were glad. And then two years later, one day again, two years and a month later, our hearts were glad. Because the God that we have says, if you'll trust me, I'll bring you to this point. Therefore, my, heart's, your, my heart is glad. And my glory, what does it do? 
rejoiceth. It rejoiceth. This is what God wants. To, you know, God doesn't say, this is not cliche, when God says he wants us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not a cliche. It's a reality. That's what he wants to give us. But he can't give it to us if we don't trust him, take the reins away from ourselves, place them in his hands, let him be in control, and trust him that God will bring us to glory and rejoicing and gladness. And it goes on, and my flesh shall rest in, what's that word? I love the word hope in the Bible. We talked about it last week. We talked about it almost every time. I love when it comes up. What does it mean? Expectation. You know what it brings us to? I can expect God to do some incredible things. You know what I expect? I expect God to change me completely and make me completely like Jesus. And my family's like, I hope it happens soon. <laughs> and it will, if nothing else, when I face him face to face, it will happen, right? But it's a process he's working me through. I can expect it. I can expect a home in heaven, a mansion, golden streets, everything. That I can expect it. He gives me hope. He gives me a reason to get up every day. If I trust him, he gets me past the hard things of life and restores hope when, you know, just a little bit ago maybe we were ready to give up on it and hope was something we didn't think we could have and why am I bothering? Why bother to live? Why don't I just, you know, why don't I just eat, drink, and be merry and die? Why not? Because I give up hope. But God says, I'm going to give you hope. Look, just keep going. He says in verse uh, 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Hey, guys, where we are at the present moment isn't where we're going to be forever. When life is hard, it's not permanent. When your heart is breaking, it's not permanent. When you're facing impossible tasks, it's not permanent. He will not leave us here. We have hope. Verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence of is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can I tell you why it's worth trusting him? The last three verses. It is worth trusting him. What I don't know is what you're going through, and I don't know if you're willing to trust him. But this I know, if you will, God will bring you through it and bring you to pleasures forevermore. Heads about ice close, please. Are you like David crying out to the Lord, Lord, preserve me. I, Lord, I'm facing life and it's hard. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need you to step in and do for me what I cannot do for myself. And God's simple answer is, trust me. Trust me with it all. Trust me with the parts you don't understand. Trust me with the parts that you're afraid of. Trust me with the counsel that I give you. Trust me to be in control. Will you trust me, precious one? Hey, Pastor John, my life is that description of why I need preserving. I'm going through some difficult times. My heart's breaking. I don't understand what steps are going to be taken next. I... I'm scared of what's going to happen next in my life. 
the tasks that are before me seem impossible. And Pastor, I'm like David. I, I need God to step in. But Pastor, I'm struggling. To be honest, I'm struggling, Pastor, to trust him. You know, when, when Jesus met the man who was struggling to trust him, that man said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. We have a God who doesn't, he doesn't uh, shoot us down when we struggle to, to trust him. He steps in. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Say, Pastor, that's, that's where I'm at. I just need you to pray that I can learn to trust God in greater fashion so that I can see God do the things that he wants to do. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Hands have just shot up all over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? Maybe it is that you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Can I just point out to you that there's a God in heaven who loves you and desperately longs to give you eternal life if you'll let him. If you'll let him. And we would be honored to talk to you about that this morning. So when the service is over, if you want to talk to someone, just... Find me, find Pastor Brett, find someone that you can just pull aside and say, I want to know about what it means to trust Jesus as my Savior. We'd be honored to talk to you. Father, many, many hands are going up, gone up this morning. Life is hard. It's not easy to face every day, day in, day out. It beats us up. We're exhausted. Father, we... We need you to step in and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God, teach us to trust you. Give us the courage to trust you. Show yourself strong in our lives. God, for everyone that's raised their hand, I pray that you would be with them in just unique fashion. That God, you would just show yourself strong, step into their lives in a unique way. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. My faith looks up to thee. As we sing, the altar is open to you. If you'd like to step out and do business with the Lord, let the Lord just have control, surrender things to the Lord, whatever it might be. As, you, uh, as the Lord spoke to you, you step out and let him have his way, would you? My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. look this way. I appreciate your kind attention. Would you do something for me today? A couple things. One is come back tonight, 6 o'clock. Got a message for you I'd like to share. Uh, looking forward to that. But I'm going to tell you that it was probably one-third to one-half of the people who raised their hand said, Pastor, life's hard. It wasn't just that life's hard. That's all of it. That's 100%. But life's hard and I'm struggling to trust. And I say that the people around you, whether you know it or not, need your encouragement. So on your way out, encourage someone. Just, hey, thinking about you, praying for you, love you, hug your neck, do whatever it comes to mind for you to just be an encouragement to someone because I'm telling you, they need it. 
and you may not know it. All right? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.